friends and family thought I was crazy when you're leaving like a really great role in in like AI, which is a super super hot and booming sector right now. Funny thing is when I kind of quit my previous job, I didn't have the idea of the store with me at that point in time because of e-commerce. You as a customer, as a brand, you can have a direct relationship with your customer without having to go through six different layers of distributors, retailers, uh, bulk distributors. Hello everybody, this is Shweta Dalgan and welcome back to another episode of the Climapreneur Show. Another episode that will inspire you, empower you, motivate you, uplift you, educate you and enrich your souls. And please do follow us on Instagram, do subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast streaming platform and do subscribe to our YouTube channel and allow us to bring to you climate action stories, allow us to bring to you climate action motivation. And did I tell you that today's episode is sponsored? by House of Climber. House of Climber is a brand by Climberpreneur. House of Climber brings various forms of sustainability in a handcrafted buffet of local brands that are unique in their own way. If one brand specializes in designing organic cotton, there will be another brand promoting a range of upcycle apparel items or accessories. You know, I absolutely love the kind of love these amazingly amazing brands have put behind their creation. So definitely do check out houseofclimber.com and now let's straight away dive into the conversation with Prateek Gupte. Welcome to the Climbpreneur Show, guys. Today we have with us Prateek Gupte. You know, someone who has explored a different arena, has entered into the avenue of sustainability, I would say, through the power of his passion and, you know, just to be the part of the change, to be the part of the solution. So welcome to the Climbpreneur Show, Prateek. So glad to have you here. Thanks for having me, Shweta. Super excited to be here. So I'm going to start with like, you know, do correct me if I'm wrong here. Like uh, mm-hmm. when I was reading about you, I found out that and you also told me that, you know, you are a two time founder. Now the third time you have been, you know, into the uh, corporate world and like all of that actually revolved around technology. You were creating mobile games, applications, AI. And I thought like, I really think that you really love what you were doing. So what made you actually like shift to the field of sustainability? I understand that, you know, technology obviously is a major part of what you're doing right now also, as it's your, they are your own words that in future, every company will be a tech company. So what made you like, you know, get that shift and why that shift? I would ask you. Absolutely. I think some of my friends and family thought I was crazy when you're leaving like a really <laughs> great role in, in like AI, which is a super, super hot and booming sector right now. Right. Uh, but like you said, I don't think I've fully left technology behind. We still, mm-hmm. even at the store, I'll talk about that in a second, we do use a lot of technology. But I really wanted to change and, you know, apply technology in different areas as well. Right. Today, you know, we think of technology, we just think of, you know, consumer apps and things like that. But there's so many other opportunities, so much scope in sustainability and climate tech to bring that technology, to bring that skill set to something that can really make a difference. So, like, what was your why? Like, why did you actually, you know, chose to, like, start Restore? So, yeah, you know, uh, great question. And the funny thing is when I kind of quit my previous job, I didn't have the idea of Restore with me at that point in time. Uh, mm-hmm. I I was I was a bit restless at my previous job. You know, we had done really well. We had sold the company to Reliance and, you know, it was, it was sort of moving really well for us. Right. But I felt a sense of, you know, restlessness that uh, every day I, I keep sort of thinking about, you know, the larger problems in the world. And I really wanted to 
work on a lot of them and uh, you know waste in the environment and plastic pollution was one that particularly that you know used to keep me up at night and right uh, initially actually we we explored a bunch of different ideas and concepts around can we do rec- improve recycling can we do a bunch of different things but i knew that this was sort of the problem statement i wanted to tackle and i wanted to bring technology on a bring the different approach to the entire sector and that's the sort of you know just uh, focus that i set out with so like you know like was it that way that when you actually left your job at that point of time you didn't have the idea of restore no i didn't have the idea of restore when i when i actually put in my papers and i and i actually quit it was uh, mm-hmm. uh, covid had just hit and at that point in time uh, i had a couple of ideas that i wanted to explore but being a very new industry to me uh, i mm-hmm. i knew that i didn't know enough So I actually planned an entire sabbatical year. I was going to take an entire year off and I had uh, sort of you know focused on uh, uh, I was going to work with a recycling company, I was going to work with an agri-tech farm in Germany and I planned like a year of travel to kind of understand and learn more about the space. Uh, it was all focused around sustainability, different sort of you know companies, internships, right. you know, uh, but uh, then covid happened. and that kind of threw mm-hmm. my entire plan out the window and uh, so i said okay let me kind of i had to kind of rejig the whole thing and refigure out exactly and what i wanted to do around that space while sitting at home but right um but it, it worked out for the best i guess it must have been like a difficult time because like i know for a fact like it happened actually with me as well that you know i really wanted like i knew that i had to do something but that time when i was figuring out it was a difficult time like you know so like did you had any of those fears because you know like what you took was a step of courage you didn't know what you're going to do but you mm-hmm. still left your job so what like what made you actually trust that decision and how did you know that like i am doing the right thing by like say quitting this job when you even didn't know what your next step would be it was i think after a long period of uh, you know we were tackling and you know really wrestling with that problem that i took that step and i might not have known it just so happened that by the time you know i think i saw the notice period at, at restore had started but uh, i think the, the the key was to have a plan and it might not have been like an exact plan but it was a plan to get to a plan so uh, i had like a whole or at least you know like 3 to 6 months of the next step planned out that okay i, I had internships lined up i had courses i wanted to study i had things i wanted to learn people to meet so it was uh, i built some structure around it and uh, sometimes you know uh, it's people say that you shouldn't quit and uh, more i think it holds true that you shouldn't just quit completely without a plan uh but uh, sometimes you do need to give yourself that little bit of room uh to just you know figure things out and uh, it will fall into place long as sort of you know just uh, do nothing so what is restore what are you trying to create with restore so yeah restore is a, a unique marketplace what we do is it's a marketplace that reuses its packaging and so customers can order online from our store and we have several different brands we work with right now we have like hair care body wash shampoo conditioner hand wash cleaning agents laundry detergents all of that comes to you in reusable packaging you use the product that's there inside and once you're done with the product we come back we pick pick up the container we clean it 
we sanitize it and we put it back into circulation. So it doesn't generate any waste at all. Uh, and you can actually even save money on, on because you're not spending on the packaging itself. But why did you like choose the circulation thing in the first place? I know like you mentioned like some dabba walas and the milkmen that they used to do this model. What made you choose this model? So it was, you know, I can't take credit for saying it's a completely innovative idea. Like you said, like this is actually being used uh, for a long time by uh, other people. The dabba wala model, the milkman, everything used to work in this way earlier, right? But at some point in time, it became cheaper or it became really expensive to kind of, you know, uh, collect everything and clean it. Today, I think that's fundamentally changed because of e-commerce. You, as a customer, as a brand, you can have a direct relationship with your customer without having to go through six different layers of distributors, retailers, uh, bulk distributors. And that's what's made this possible again. And sort of, you know, after 30 years, 20 years, we've come sort of full circle back where you can have a direct relationship with your consumer and make this feasible. So, uh, you know, like I actually like saw actually someone commented this on one of your restores post and I really like the answer that you gave that was really thought provoking to me. So I would like the audience to know the answer for this question. How do you actually manage the carbon footprint of your bottle? Because like a lot of people have this question that you're taking the bottle back, you're cleaning it. So like, you know, there's a footprint that goes when you're transporting it. So please answer this question for the audience. A super relevant question. And I think... Uh... It's something to keep in mind is sort of the entire life cycle of the bottle. Um, so today when you order something in, in any sort of packaging, there's a couple of two or three things that really happen to it once you're done with it. One is either you throw it in the bin and then the garbage garbage truck comes and picks it up. It's a diesel garbage truck. It will it'll pick it up and it'll take it all the way to the landfill outside of the city. Uh, second is, you know, it ends up in the environment which is uh, even worse or the third is it's it gets recycled right and uh, if it gets recycled it's again traveling to a place on the you know the recycling centers are outside your main metro it could be in another state it could even be in another country so it's actually traveling all of those distances anyways and what we're doing is reducing that distance it's within the city itself uh, we have smaller warehouses located right within the same city. And we're also sort of uh, towards the end of the year going to move to electric vehicles to pick back, pick up sort of the item again. So it's uh, that's just the carbon footprint of the logistics. But and that is it's still lower and it doesn't take into account the energy it takes to make that bottle each time. By reusing it, you save all of that energy. So from a carbon perspective, you know, much, much, much better for the environment from either any way you look at it. So like, you know, uh, I would say that when you like sort of started Restore, you had an idea in mind before even like, you know, you created the website, you created the marketplace. So how confident were you in your idea? Like when the idea just hit you? So like what were the factors that actually gave you the confidence, the trust that, okay, this is going to work out? It was, it's actually this, uh, you know, built a bunch of ideas before, but the products before, but this idea, I think one of the hardest to actually just validate because, you know, you go to someone and ask them, would you like this product? And no one will say no. It's one of those things. If you tell someone, hey, there's, there's something that will, you know, eliminate plastic waste, everyone will tell you amazing idea. Damn good. Go do it. Uh, but sort of, uh, 
the keys do not get sucked into sort of that and really validate the concept from a different perspective. So uh, before sort of doing anything, the first thing I did was, you know, actually conduct very deep customer interviews. Uh, there's a great book I recommend. It's called The Mom Test. And that really tells you to how do you really ask those questions? Uh, you don't ask them by saying, do you want this particular product? Um, the second thing is, you know, I, I surveyed about 2000 people. And then after that, I was like, okay, fine, you know, maybe this is something worth prototyping. And then back in March, we launched a very simple prototype, just two products, hand wash, body wash. And that was going to be the main concept for us to say that, okay, now will people really pay money for this? And then once we saw that, that was the biggest validation for us when people, we didn't know, complete strangers with really no marketing spend. We didn't, we didn't spend a dime on sort of acquiring these customers. They still came to us and spent that money and said, yeah, we want this. And that was like, okay, now we know we have something here. Now we can go talk to brands. Now we can sort of start building out and really expanding on it. So like, what were your challenges while you were like building this? Uh, I think a couple of different challenges, right? One is, I think, which really is our main, main, main focus right now is the unit economics, which is, I believe for this to really work out, to scale up and work at with, you know, multiple different products, brands, food, food category as well. Uh, you can't lose money on it. And then to factor in sort of the pickup cost, the cleaning cost, as well as, you know, how much commission you charge from the brands, etc., etc. Uh, so that is, I think, the number one thing, problems to solve over here. If we can make this work, then it's like a home run. Then, then it's absolutely going to scale out and, and blow up. But that's, the economics is, is really what, uh, it's an economics challenge. I, I don't think it's a demand challenge anymore. Everyone, everyone wants the solution. Customers want it, brands want it, the government wants it. Uh, can you sort of make it work in a cost-effective manner? It's going to be the number one, number one sort of thing to answer. Uh, like, you know, we always say that AI is the future. And, uh, you know, like you have been working into AI. So I'm going to ask you this question. Like uh, being an entrepreneur, I also hear this thing that you need to leverage the power of AI. So what do you think would be the partnership between AI and sustainability? And if I have to say, to, like come and tell you that, okay, uh, Pratik, I am an entrepreneur. How do I leverage the power of AI into the business for good that I am creating? So how would you answer that? Absolutely. I think there's a lot of... Um possibilities with AI as a technology but you know one thing we, we learned as well when we uh, were trying to commercialize AI back at Haptic and the work we did there is don't sort of take the hammer first and then go looking for an AI. What you want to do is you know start backwards from the problem and we built a, a, you know, a lot of tech here at Restore as well. We built like sort of a bottle tracking system which, uh, you know, tells you the location of each portal, how long it's been there, whether it's due for, uh, you know, a refill or not, where you use a custom routing systems to create like a unified pickup and drop off system. So a lot of, you know, uh, we started out very simple first and then we added basic technology and then afterwards, you know, we do predictive AI algorithms as well. So I think uh, uh, start with that problem, have the AI as sort of a tool in your toolkit, as a skill set that you can apply, but don't necessarily force fit it. Um, 
I believe you should always work backwards from the problem and then you sort of find out where you can really apply AI all through sort of sustainability in the entire sector. Okay. And now, uh, like, you know, considering the fact that, say, I'm new to the field of sustainability, I have a cause, I have a mission, I want to create something, but I do not know anything about this field. So how should I approach this entire situation? Sure. So, I mean, I'll I kind of tell you a couple of things that I did. It was uh, sort of, you know, uh, entering a new field sometimes. It's, well, there's pros and cons to it, to be honest. Uh, the pro is that when you enter a new space with, you know, a fresh set of eyes, everything is possible to you. So, you know, if, uh, you know, you take this idea over to a, a big giant company, they'll be like, Ye nahi we have never done this before. Uh, and that's what you hear very often. But you haven't learned, I haven't learned that that's not possible. So, I, I you know, you're a bit naive and that's a good thing sometimes. Uh, the con is in sort of what you have to do is, you know, really start filling out your knowledge gaps and start changing your diet so if you're consuming you know uh, i was consuming a lot of information on enterprise technology before or on gaming now you're changing you know the the, the people the books you read the people you uh, men who mentor you and you work with the experts you talk to uh, the courses you're studying i've been you know right from you know reading out reading about uh, up about logistics and those sort of things so start changing your diet start you know interacting with the experts in the field and um, work your way through it and create again some structure to it that okay this month I'm going to learn X next month I'm going to learn Y and um, it takes a little while but I think it's uh, um, anything is possible it's never too late I think like one of the challenges like something that I faced was that you know you want you know that okay I need to be doing something but you don't know what to be doing and in that phase you need to be learning plus uh, like handling your doubts handling your fears that come in the way so like did you had like you know those moments of doubt when you felt like what I'm what am I doing this or like should I just go back so were there any moment of doubts and if there were how did you like kept your head straight and focus on what you were doing Oh yeah, absolutely. I think you know when I just started out, and uh, it's a it's a bit of a different world where in you know in the technology sector, it's a bit of a bubble to be honest. And but then when I started going out, and I'm suddenly trying to talk to suppliers in China, getting aluminium bottles, I'm like I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never done this before, <laughs> uh, and I was just sort of I I was like a newborn child. I had no idea how to just you know get simple samples from somewhere but uh, and it's intimidating a lot of times you know uh, I was like maybe I don't really have the skill set for this how am I going to you know manage all of this but I think it's it's important just to you know create those micro targets that okay let's not think too much uh, and that's sometimes a trap I've fallen into where I'm just thinking overthinking everything but I'm not doing anything so just create those little small milestones for yourself that okay just this week I will talk to two suppliers just this week. I will try and make a bottle design just this week. And I will maybe just learn a little bit about e-commerce. And I think focus on the short-term goals and just take those baby steps and one foot in front of the other, you, know, you start making progress. If you start thinking, oh, I don't know anything about supply chain. I don't know anything about logistics. I don't know this. I don't know that. What's going to happen two years down the line? You really get caught in that trap of, overthinking did you face any like issues because uh, like in, in a way i will tell you that you know sometimes what happens is you know that you have an idea 
and you really like you know that your idea could be a solution but on the initial phases when you are not able to monetize it so how do you keep your you know confidence level high at that point of time the point i'm asking you right this right now is because like when i talk to these entrepreneurs who are just starting up you know in the field of sustainability sometimes money doesn't come as planned and during those times how do you like keep yourself you know that okay let's do what i'm doing it will definitely come or do you feel that you need to be a bit practical and understand like if it's going to work if it's not going to work out what are your like thoughts on this i guess there's two parts to it one is if you have no idea how you're going to make money you don't even have a business model in place uh and you know that is something to think about uh that is some a question that you should try and maybe arrive at an answer to uh you know before uh maybe not might not have it immediately but it should be an answer trying to work towards uh if not now then eventually uh if 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 that's the case that you know you you're not sure how you're going to make money for a very long time then you do need to sort of secure alternate sources of um sustaining yourself because it's it's a long game right i think any entrepreneur sort needs to know this that it's a long term game and uh you want to know if then either you're going to raise money to sort of tide yourself over or you want to have much some money coming in um there's a second thing of if you're not making enough and you know you're having a bad time sort of that that i think is sort of happens to everyone keep sort of manage over there is think long term be frugal and uh, uh make sure that you know you're not overextended too early too fast so those are sort of you know short term problems and i would ask you here that because you have sort of experience like both the entrepreneurship field the traditional entrepreneurship field also and now when you are into i would i say climate entrepreneurship or climate entrepreneurship so how do you think that traditional entrepreneurship is actually different from climate entrepreneurship um i would say there's some things that are same which you know you really have to keep like in the end the business is a business and i don't i really don't want to it's a social business that sort of and in the sense of climate entrepreneurship you've kept a certain cause at the crux of your organization and you want to make sure you hire people with that same sort of goal and mission and as long as you do that and you keep that at the heart of your business as you scale up you know things will you know fall into place like the great thing for us is the more we scale up and the more money we make the more impact we've made because by default that's we we've diverted more and more waste from the landfill um but yeah at the end of it you know you have to you it's not an ngo you we're not uh, we were not reliant on donation so you still have to make money and that's why like i said you know uh your economics is a very important part of what we do so uh keep all of those fundamentals in mind and um yeah and just you know it's really important to hire the right people i can't stress that enough I think it's a very fulfilling feeling like when you're doing something that's good for the planet. You know, like here I'll ask you that what is like what is your purpose? Have you been able to identify what your purpose is and like with Restore do you feel that you're sort of aligned with your purpose? And I just add one thing here like I love Oprah like Oprah says this thing very often that you know one thing leads to like leads you to another thing and leads you to your higher purpose. So do you feel that Restore is your purpose? Um it's such a loaded word you know purpose and 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 at that uh, you know at that phase i was in where i was trying to figure out what i was trying to do i i 
thought that you know they could have this sort of epiphany moment where that I would be like, okay, this is it, and this is what I, this is what I have to do. And I tried so much. I don't you know there are these books that help you try and work through it and try and and uh, uh, I remember I went for Vipassana. Maybe there'll be a, like a moment over there. Um, and I used to always be jealous of people. You know, from a very young age, they'd always know exactly what they wanted to do. Uh, and at like age six, some people would know that uh, I want to be an astronaut, or you know, my cousin sister, or I want to work at NASA, and then that's it. That she said for life. Um, but one thing I've realized is I don't know if I'm wired that way. That I'll have one singular purpose, and uh, and I think a lot of people are like that, and that that's okay. As you go through life, you know, your thirties, your forties. What's the most important to you? Kind of sometimes does change, and again, that's okay. Um, maybe when I'm sixty, I realize that the environment is not the most important thing. Maybe it's family. Uh, but one thing I think I've just realized is I wanna. What can be my what is sort of a purpose for me is to live life with intent, and and by that I mean you know don't just go about the motions of it. Don't just you know do chalera ho because you know. Uh, you don't know what else to do. Whatever you're doing, just be aware of it and and uh, be present in it. And I think that's the best purpose you can have. Do you feel proud of yourself? Like you know that okay, yes, I'm proud of myself for creating Restore, and you know like because you know, and, and I have to ask you that that what is the secret behind the feed of Restore? It looks so amazing. Like every time I open it up, it's like so refreshing. You know, I sometimes feel jealous. Okay, you know, I need to be creating something like that. So I need to know this answer. What is the secret for Inst- Restore's Instagram feed? And for people who still haven't checked it out, please go check it out. I think. All over the time, you'll be just stalking their feed if you see their feed. Um, the secret, I think, uh, the secret sauce here is is a person, and it would be my uh, partner in crime and in business, my wife Kirti Punya. So I think she has uh, got a lot to do with sort of the magic that that has happened on on the Instagram feed, and we spend a lot of time, you know, just I think. Uh, uh, coming up with ideas or coming up with what we want to talk about and try and keep as honest a voice as possible on on through, through Instagram as a medium. But I think complete credit there is due to her. Do you have some restore bottles with you? Yes, I do. You need to show it. They are so pretty. Yeah, they usually have them right here. So this is one of our the larger body wash. You know the color, everything is so pretty, and you know it just gives you that positive feeling. Like, did you have like when you were actually designing this bottle? Did you have a thought in uh, like mind that what you want to create with it, or like what all actually went when you were designing? And I have to ask you this thing here that you know because you have actually seen this bottle, I would say grow. You know, as your own child because. On first phase, it would be in the ideation. Then you actually hold the bottle in your hand. So, what was your feeling like, and what was the thought when you were designing that such a pretty bottle? It's, uh, I'll share maybe some images with you as well of you know all this things it went through, and uh, it, it's it's been quite sort of. It took a couple of months to get it right. I think right from firstly nobody could very very hard to find someone in in India to make these bottles. Uh, and you know, I, I literally first initially just sampled from across the world. Secondly, then after that, we realized uh, uh, we had to beg and sort of get someone in India to like, okay, please supply for us. You know, I promise you, we'll get we'll become a big company someday. Uh, and, 
And then, and you know, get the sort of the finish right. We tried like five, six different types of finish, the coating. And then we knew we sort of, you know, we want to stay away from a label. We're still sort of experimenting with what is the best thing to do. So we're still trying out labels, but we, we knew we wanted a screen print. And uh, again, we had actually a really great team. You know, we have an amazing designer we work with. And um, it's, uh, it's kind of come out through sort of a series of iterations. I think it was... Uh, right from sort of what we wanted to communicate to what the bottle should just make you feel. And the main thing is you should not feel like throwing it. <laughs> that is that is what, because people are used to that, right? Like you get something, you're done with the bottle, you throw it. But we were like, you should look at this bottle and you should not feel like throwing it. Please return it back to us. And I think we just started. I don't think that you were, you are even getting it back. Like it's like super cute and super like pretty. I'm not not gonna give it back if I get it. As long as you use it and refill it, we're more than happy. So back to the question: How proud are you of yourself, Pratik? Like you know, and on the level of satisfaction, how satisfied are you with Restore? Oh, I mean, uh, I I don't know if I can have that sense of pride just yet. I feel like we've just started out. And we're just sort of, you know, starting to make that impact. Um, I, I don't know if pride is sort of the feeling I have every day. But what I do is, what I feel is just, you know, every day I wake up in the morning and I come to work on this. Uh, I just feel content. And, you know, that is not about the money I'm making. It's a lot less. Or it's not about, you know, uh, just the fact that I'm an entrepreneur. But just I'm content and sort of. I'm not as restless about what I'm working on. And I think that's, that's, I think what makes me, keeps me going. And you know, I would say that that's actually uh, like true success because I always say this thing that do not let, like do not let the world define your definition of success. So, you know, like what you're doing is like, I can actually relate to it. So it's like pretty amazing. And I'll ask you here that, you know, how do you deal with failures and actually deal with failures? What does failure mean to you? And because a lot of times people are like, I'm scared to fail, but it's okay, right? How do you deal with it? And what is failure to you? Um, failure, I guess, is just when you stop trying and and uh, the moment you just stop, you know, a company never stops, it's just never really a failure until like the day just shuts down, right? Uh, to that time, it's, it's just a work in progress. And I think, uh, but... You know, having said that, it having shot, you know, a company as well, I can see that that's also okay. I think today a lot of people just say that you should never give up. You should always keep going and and you should never stop trying. Um, but it's okay, I think, to, you know, to sort of walk away from one thing and to move on to the next. It's a, it's a tricky question to say when is the right time and when and when to say you've tried hard enough. Uh, but... You know, there's so many things I've failed at from, from failed products to I've applied to jobs I've not gotten, I've got applied to MBA programs I've not gotten into, I've applied to accelerators and been rejected by dozens of VCs as well. So it's it's not, uh, um, I think you just got to take a longer term view of it and just keep on going on on a, on a longer level. I think if you, if you put down a certain project or a certain uh, product or a task, I don't think that's failure. That that's just simply um, going to work on the next thing. That's what all you do. You just got to come in every day and check in and keep on plugging through. And I'm so glad you said that. 
my next question to you would be what does climate action mean to you like what does climate action mean to prateek gupte as an individual as an in- individual i think it's um the way i look at it is just mindful consumption and i don't i don't believe in absolutes which is you know hey, you got to completely stop x or completely stop y i think it's it's just about being aware of the decisions on consumption on the way you lead your life and then whatever you can do take start taking those you know smaller steps so if it's um, uh, you can walk somewhere walk somewhere if you can cut down on meat you should if you can um, you know turn off the lights you should any any sort of small thing just as long as we're aware and we're taking sort of the right decisions on how we we live our life i think we can make a difference the moment the moment you even thought about that question as to what is my impact and my you've already made some progress do you also feel eco anxious like you know with even with restore when you're creating something do you feel that okay like uh, how should i do it because i feel like a lot of people like especially you know like entrepreneurs who are actually in this arena creating all these things so sometimes they feel super eco anxious about even the smallest decision that that they take and uh, we all know that sustainability is a journey so do you have like felt eco anxious at a personal level or i would say while creating restore it's really difficult just to even know what the right thing to do is sometimes you know uh, and if how do you even there's no real framework out there for saying this is the right thing to do this is the correct thing to do um, i mean i can give you an example right so um we are there was a certain material we were working with where you could not screen print on the bottle so now we were thinking do we use paper labels or do we use paper labels maybe they coated with plastic like a plastic label um uh, now the the plastic label thing is it's going to last you for 30 washes 40 washes you'll need less of it whereas a paper label is going to sort of come apart and you have to keep changing it each time um what is the right thing to do i don't think anyone has that sort of answer and that formula right and it's uh, even a simple thing that should be even use plastic bottles there's nothing inherently wrong with the material right it's sort of the material that again lasts you a lot longer it doesn't dent it doesn't break it has a lot like a smaller carbon footprint uh, so i think it's it's sometimes tricky to know what's the right thing to do uh, and i think it can be really intimidating and confusing for entrepreneurs as well as consumers um and it's definitely a journey i think our take is you know to just to be as transparent as possible and admit that even we are not perfect as a company there's a lot of well learning and experimenting with and uh, uh the goal is i think just to figure it out as you go along uh and keep learning i think an a key factor that plays here is understanding where the consumers as well as we understand that why has the other person maybe you know taken this decision so i feel that you know that is the kind of like the kind of narrative i look towards is that okay why is maybe someone facing this challenge or what are the challenges that they are facing to incorporate sustainability at a 100% level so i think that is the kind of narrative we all should be following my last question to you would be what is the kind of change or impact that you want to have with restore for restore i just want people to think differently about how they consume and how they throw things right it's as long as it's we're literally remodeling the way we take goods we really want to break into you know food milk all of these different categories 
people think it's impossible to have another way of life than sort of just take make and throw it away we just want to let people know that there is another option that you can have a more sustainable life you can sort of have a different approach to things and i think the more and more people realize that they might uh live their life that way and it doesn't necessarily have to i'm not saying you have to come and buy the store and and its product them even if 10 more restore comp- similar companies come out today uh, i think i'll be very ha- more happier than ever to see that sort of change happen that's amazing just one thing i'd like to ask you that you know because now you're working in this arena does it happen to you when you see say a friend or maybe you know somewhere you see someone using a hand wash or body wash and all these things you feel like okay like do you see these products now with a different like i okay okay i've started just look packaging everywhere like I, I never used to start looking and i started looking at the back of bottles all the time and and just started noticing every these small things which didn't really occur to me as well uh so much i keep learning every day as we go along right uh but yeah i think that, that trying not to sort of people make their own decisions and and uh, definitely not decide to shame anyone i think everyone's sort of having their own, their own journey of sustainability as well and as you go along people will sort of just uh, get there thank you so much pratik and i still like stay on my point that you're not getting your bottles <laughs> back because you have made them like super cute and super pretty i don't know that who's going to return you the bottles back thank you so much so thank you so much for being on the show pratik it was an absolute pleasure talking to you it was great talking to you as well